Good morning, Nava family. Happy Easter. He has risen. He is risen indeed. Every year at Easter, when I think about millions of believers arising with the dawn to rejoice in Jesus and worship him as our living, breathing Lord and King, fills me with this indescribable joy. I just imagine the worship of Jesus all over the world. I'm so thankful for every one of you gathered in your homes this morning. Let's just pray together to start this time. Jesus, we love you. We welcome your presence. We thank you today that we are a resurrection people and we rejoice in the hope that you have brought to us. I gotta admit this morning, I really wish we were all in person, but when I imagine all of you in your homes, sitting around, gathered online, connecting together, something does arise in my heart that this is exactly what we wanna be doing. We are the church. The kingdom is in capable hands as it is with you. I'm so encouraged at what God has for us this morning, the hope of what he brings. Now, I can imagine that like those early disciples, some of us feel weak in this place. These are difficult times, maybe feel scared or hopeless, but we're in good company with them. This morning, I wanna look at John 20, verse 19 through 22. You can open there in a minute. Um, but I want us to imagine and just go into that room in Jerusalem with the doors locked and join them together. I'm going to read uh, from this passage, John 20, verse 19. It says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, the disciples were there for fear of the Jews. If we can go in our imagination into that room, we can start to get a sense that the atmosphere is thick, the doors are locked. There's a sense of fear in the room and deep sadness. They don't know what to do. They've lost their hope. They've lost their purpose. And I think we need to almost recount with them the experiences that they've just had over the previous days. We've all just been thinking about Good Friday, but let's rehearse kind of some of those events. They've seen their friend and their king crushed under psychological pressure until he is sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. They've seen him led away and betrayed, beaten and publicly shamed. They've heard the voice crucify, crucify from the Jewish people. They've watched as a crown of thorns were put on his head. He was scourged and marred beyond recognition walking under the weight of a wooden beam, collapsing on the way to Golgotha, crucified, nailed into his hands and his feet, crying out in agony, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Being placed between two thieves, they witnessed kindness, like we can't imagine. Ministering love to a thief, caring for his mother from a cross. Darkness covered the earth, and it began to shake. They watched the vulnerable words of trust into the Father's hand 
as he thirsted and identifies with our isolation and pain. He didn't just die, he suffered. And in this time in the world with so much sadness, we have a king who knows our pain, who identifies with us in suffering. What an incredible, incredible God. He cries out those famous words, it is finished. Oh, the victory. No greater love would ever be seen. No greater grace would ever be shown. No greater price would ever be paid. No greater victory would ever be won. But at that moment, none of those things were in their hearts or minds. Just loss. Everything stripped away from them. They had to endure the silence of Saturday. And then Sunday. They're in lockdown for fear of their lives, that the same thing that happened to their king will happen to them. It's hard to even imagine. What they don't know is that on the dawn of that Sunday, Jesus of Nazareth opened his eyes. I mean, I like to imagine the greatest secret in human history. Can you imagine him looking at his arms restored? soaking in the secret no one else in the world knows. And he's going, Dad, we did it. We did it. Sin and death and everything that marred the creation has been conquered. But the, the disciples don't know. It's like they're living perpetually in the defeat of Saturday and the sadness. And this is the room that they're in. Probably like never before, we can identify with a locked-in house of feelings of fear. Uh, our world's in chaos, instability and insecurity, markets collapsing. We don't know who's gonna get sick where. Feelings of sadness, we've lost purpose, can't go to our jobs. Some of us have lost our jobs. Some of us are experiencing the heartbreak or hopelessness of the loss of people that we love right now. We can identify with them in this room. I'm so thankful though, that this is not where the story ends. As we keep reading, something incredible happens. It says in the end of verse 19, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And then he showed them his hands and his side. And it says the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Here comes the resurrection, walking through the locked door, the wall of impossibility, joining them in the thick atmosphere of sadness and fear right in the middle of their pain and showing them his hands and his side, coming with the declaration of peace. This is our peace, the presence of Jesus. He right now can walk through our wall and come and join us in whatever place that we are. We can imagine those words falling on the ears and the weary, saddened hearts of those disciples, like water to a dry, thirsty soul. I mean, that's the words we long to hear. Peace be with you. His peace was in his presence. 
As we enter his presence in these days, we're going to experience peace beyond what we understand, beyond what we're experiencing. This is hope for us. He comes identifying with them, showing them his wounds. You see, even in the resurrection, these wounds are there, saying that nothing we experience, no pain, no loss will be wasted. Even in the resurrection, and we will live with him again, we will see that the things we suffer in this life have been turned for the good. And his humble identification of his wounds saying, look, you may not understand, but it's me. Here's the proof of my victory, and I'm with you in your pain. He shows them his hands and his side. His peace proclaimed it, it reveals a hope for us. It is a living hope, the Bible says, but it's also an eternal hope that he gives us. 1 Peter 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, his hands and his side, his death for all of us, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that's imperishable and undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven with you. So rejoice in this, the Bible says, though for a little while you face the grief of various trials. You see, what Jesus does, resurrected, being alive for us right now as he gives us hope to live in. That means it's a living hope that whatever we're going through is not the end of the story, that he can work it for the good of those who love him. That word hope is the expectation of good. We can live in the expectation of good because he's a redeemer right now. But even if we lose, even if we face the defeat of this moment, even death itself is not the end of the story. This is an eternal hope, the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians 15, 19, it says, If in Christ we have hope only in this life, only a living hope, we are to be pitied most. But this isn't what it is. Christ has raised from the dead. He's the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. We will be like him. And now listen to this. He must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. You see, there's no place we can go so dark, so defeated, even death itself, that he hasn't been and won on our behalf. We have an eternal hope. Hebrews 2 says this incredible thing. He shared our humanity. In his death, he destroyed the one who held the power of death, the devil. But not just that, it goes on to say that he has delivered us all from the slavery of fear to death. Even death does not haunt, does not overwhelm the believers. We have a living hope and an eternal hope. This wasn't the end of the story. Yes, the resurrection walks through our walls of impossibility, joins us in our pain, proclaims peace to our hearts, shows us the wounds of identification. But there's more in this story. Verse 21 says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. During this crisis, we may need to hear several times, peace again. 
peace again. Most days I wake up and I need to hear Jesus say, peace again. But it's not just peace again this time for just ourselves. This time when he says peace, it's about to unlock our purpose by the power of the Spirit. He goes on to say, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then it says, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Let's break this down for just a minute. What does it mean that Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I sent you? For what purpose? Why did the Father send the Son? Well, he sent him because he loves the world. He sent the Son because he can't stand the distance from us. He sent the Son for total restoration. Jesus came to have relationship with the Father and to reveal the Father to us. But not just to reveal the Father to us, to rescue us from our sin and death, and then to restore our purpose, to rule and reign with the Father and bring his kingdom into the world. If we're sent, as Jesus was sent, all that I've just said is true of us. We get to have relationship with the Father. We get to be a part of revealing the Father, of helping people be rescued from sin and death, and help people to restore the purpose of God on their life. We are sent as Jesus is sent. This has been what Jesus always wanted. He wanted not just God in the flesh, but God in all flesh. The democratization of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit. Where you are in your home right now, you are the church. You're what God always wanted. The Holy Spirit is in you. You have his authority and his power in your scent, just like Jesus. There is something miraculous going on since the first century when Jesus was raised. His resurrection released us all. Easter is for every day for everybody to be the church. Not just going to church, but being the church. Not just bringing people to church services, but serving the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not just a few pastors preaching sermons, but all of the people participating with the Holy Spirit alive in them in awe and wonder, this is the resurrection. He's alive so he can be alive in you and in me. This is Easter for everybody. Man, what crazy good news. You see, Easter changed the world forever. Not only in his cross did he destroy sin and death, but he released an unstoppable movement of the Holy Spirit. He, you see in this story, comes walking through our wall of impossibility. He comes into our sadness, fear, and pain, and he proclaims peace. And then his peace brings the release of life and power through the breath of the Holy Spirit. We are a living, animated people for God. Can I pray for you as you go into discussion in your homes all across the city, as you are the church today? We say, Lord, walk through our walls of impossibility. Join us in our pain and proclaim your peace. Meet every person in their home today. And Lord, not just that, but send us, even as the Father sent you, with the breath, authority, and power of the Holy Spirit.
Amen.